Welcome to this week's Apple at Work. My name is Bradley Chambers, your host as always. This week on our show, we have a first-time guest. We have Puneet from Salona. Puneet, welcome to Apple at Work. Hey, thanks, Brad. Excited to be here um, and uh, looking forward to it. I know some of our other colleagues have worked with you in the past, so looking forward to the discussion. Andrew Vinaj from um, your company, who I know he's been there, gosh, it feels like uh, <laughs> over three years now. Uh, he's been a longtime colleague of mine, uh, probably going back over a decade now. He's one of, to me, one of the foremost experts in Wi-Fi in the world. And when he went to work for you all, like that's when I really started paying attention to this industry. And it really, and I, and I'll link to the, the, that show in the past couple of years, it feels like that the, um, cellular industry has really gone through a lot of transitions. And so just as we kick off the show, can you kind of give a background on, on what your company does and, and what your role at the company is? Absolutely, Bradley. And yeah, Andrew Vernage is, uh, is, he's kind of a, uh, I've gone for a Wi-Fi event with him recently where we were talking about private wireless to all the Wi-Fi geeks. And he was almost like a, like a celebrity in that, uh, in that group. So it is quite interesting to see. So yeah, we did convert him quite early in the journey. Uh, but yeah, so a little bit about myself and the company. I'm Puneet Shetty Bradley. I head product management for Salona. I've been with Salona for the last three years since the launch of our first uh, product portfolio. And we've obviously come a long way. The industry has come a long way. And what Salona does is Salona is bringing to its enterprise customers an end-to-end turnkey private 4G, private 5G solution. So when you think about wireless, most people think about Wi-Fi, right? They think about access points, they think about controllers, they think about uh, the cloud-based management system. So we have done that for a private cellular solution. So an enterprise can actually build and operate their own private 4G, 5G solution. <clears throat> it's interesting because when we talk about the choices enterprises have had to make before the the managed cellular, the licensed cellular, you really had, you know, you're choosing Wi-Fi or what we would t- traditionally know as like you know, public cellular with, with Verizon, AT&T, and like you know, just going and buying a phone or buying an iPad and using that. And there really is room for a third option. And that third option, when it, when it, when that use case lines up, that third option of, of what you all offer is in some ways, like the only is the only solution. It's the best solution. So can you give us like a concept of like why Wi-Fi doesn't work everywhere? I mean, Wi-Fi is fast. It's, it's somewhat easy to deploy, but why doesn't it work in, in every application today? No, and that's a perfect question. And to be really honest, Bradley, for the last, uh, since I've been here for three years, the first 18 months to 24 months, a lot of the conversations that we were having with our customers was exactly around this. Hey, is do I have Wi-Fi? Do I really need this? So there was a lot of education that we did. And the big thing is, I think it's important to note that Wi-Fi works great, right? As you just mentioned, all the benefits of Wi-Fi. Uh, and we all, I personally have benefited uh, from Wi-Fi because I joined the uh, the enterprise. I started working when Wi-Fi was just making its story into the into the corporate world, and we used to have our laptops. We would connect it on a docking station, and we would have it connected via Ethernet cable. And then when we would go to the meeting rooms, 
we would, you know, we saw a transition happening to Wi-Fi. And then eventually now everything, we, we rarely ever connect our devices using an Ethernet cable anymore. So Wi-Fi works really great for what we internally call as carpeted enterprises, right? Right now I'm sitting in my office talking to you and this uh, uh, I'm, I'm using Wi-Fi for it and it works really, really good. It works really well at my home. But when you think about non-carpeted enterprises, the industrial environments, oil and gas, manufacturing, warehouse, logistics, where you have these large outdoor spaces, right? Wi-Fi was never built to provide coverage for those large, large wide spaces. If you try to cover those large wide spaces with Wi-Fi, you will need hundreds and thousands of access points and just cabling all of them will completely kill the business case. And even with that, you will have huge coverage gaps. So in these environments, uh, these industrial environments today, they don't really have, a, have an option. Otherwise, the only, only option they have is actually to cable it or leave the place unconnected. So there are a lot of these large outdoor industrial environments which are currently not connected. So people are following old manual processes to do their day-to-day jobs. Then you look at large indoor spaces, you know, warehouses, large manufacturing with a lot of metal. The RF environment is not very... Uh, is very, very harsh. And again, Wi-Fi doesn't do very well in those kind of environments. And then for those of you who are familiar with Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi is a best effort technology, right? It was it works great for me to connect my laptop. It works great for me to connect my phone at home. But when you now start looking at manufacturing and using critical applications and critical devices that are mission critical to the enterprise, like autonomous guided vehicles or uh, manufacturing PLCs, if you're now looking to connect these critical devices and critical applications, people do not trust Wi-Fi for those applications. And hence, they either cable it up, and the only option they have is to cable it up, and then that makes it very, very expensive and also limits the flexibility these industrial environments have to operate these devices and applications. So I think there are, in these industrial applications, to summarize, the large outdoor spaces, the harsh RF environment, and the need for a reliable, predictable performance, which Wi-Fi was never built to provide. I think those are the reasons why enterprises, especially in these environments, are starting to hit a limit of what Wi-Fi can do for them. And they are now looking at alternatives to Wi-Fi. And that's where private 4G and private 5G is uh, coming to the fore. This episode of Apple at Work is sponsored by Mosul. Deploying, managing, and protecting Apple devices at work shouldn't be difficult or require several solutions. Mosul is the only Apple unified platform for business. By combining enhanced device management, endpoint security, internet privacy and security, single sign-on, enhanced app management into a single Apple-only platform, businesses can now easily and automatically deploy, manage, protect their Apple devices automatically with one solution at an affordable price. With a solution for every business size and the best support in the market, start a free 30-day trial and see firsthand why Mosul is more than an Apple MDM. Mosul is everything you need to work with Apple. To learn more, visit business.mosul.com. That's business.mosyle.com. Thanks to Mosul for sponsoring Apple at Work this week. You know, you're talking about these harsh RF environments, and that, and that really that word "harsh" to me really hits home. And it's better today with six gigahertz, and and it's that's a much better uh, group of block of spectrum. But you, you really kind of hit the nail on the head. Like Wi-Fi isn't perfect. And I was just having a conversation with somebody the other day about, uh, you know, even though like I've got 
Wi-Fi 6E in my office. I am six feet from an access point. I have a laptop that has 6E, a phone that has 6E uh, chip. If I was doing a webinar to a thousand executives, I would still connect over Ethernet because I trust Wi-Fi, but you know I don't trust Wi-Fi with my life. And I think that really hits the nail on the head. W- when we talk about like cellular, and, and again, cellular's you know, come a long way. And I, I can remember when the first iPhone launched and, and it was on uh, Edge and like Edge was all we knew. And it was like this crazy thing when we got 3G the next year. And then it was like, oh, the battery life's terrible. And we go through these like, you know, we get the, then like LTE comes out, battery life's speed's great, battery life's terrible. And now we're at like 5G ultra wideband and like battery life's terrible, but speed's great. But we've got license and unlicense here in cellular. What what does that mean? When you talk about like needing to cover like oil and gas with with cellular, why can't you just like rely on Verizon or AT&T here? No, great, great question. And that's typically the second question because those are the alternatives that people have had when they started to hit the limit of Wi-Fi uh, and they wanted to offload some of these critical applications. They started looking at alternatives and cellular is not new, right? Cellular has been around for, for, for quite at least as long as I can remember. Uh, and uh, it's it's something that has been enterprises have dabbled with. And I think the question you're asking is very, very key because when you think about a wireless technology, Spectrum is a very, very key component of that. So if you think about Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi has two spectrum bands that are allowed uh, for Wi-Fi environments. You had 2.4 gigahertz in the past, and now you also have 5 gigahertz, and there are others coming in the future as well. But 2.4 and 5 is predominantly the two unlicensed spectrum that is available to be used for Wi-Fi infrastructure today, whether it's enterprise or whether it is your home. All right? When it comes to cellular, Until about three years ago, the only option one had or the only spectrum that was available to be used by cellular was what was called as license spectrum, which is basically spectrum that belonged to regulators in each of the countries, whether it's United States, whether it's Europe, whether it's Asia. The countries had spectrum and they would auction it out for millions and billions of dollars to the operators. So Verizon, AT&T, Timo have their own portion of this license spectrum that they have actually purchased from the regulators and they are allowed to use it to provide their public macro service to people like you and me, right? So that's the idea of license spectrum. Now, until three years ago, if enterprises wanted to use or try and do something with cellular, they had to work with one of these operators around the world and say, hey, can you give me a portion of your spectrum that you have spent billions of dollars for and I can try and use it for applications that I don't want to use my existing infrastructure for. And obviously, as you can imagine, that would cost enterprise an arm and a leg <laughs> to uh, to make that happen because obviously Verizon's, AT&T's, the TMOs, and everybody else around the world would try to uh, monetize on that spectrum, which they have spent a lot of money on. So it has never really picked up cellular in enterprises Although the idea has been dabbled with, you might see some experiments, but hasn't really become mainstream because that the only option available was getting a license spectrum from one of these operators. But that has changed, Bradley, in the last three to four years, starting with uh, in the US, there is something called CBRS, Citizen Broadband Radio Service, which has actually been opened up by regulators for private use specifically for enterprises like manufacturers, logistics centers, warehouses. Uh, If they want to build their own private cellular network, they now have an option 
to use the citizen broadband radio service, which is in the 3.55 to 3.7 gigahertz range. And they can use that. It's a shared spectrum. They can use it. They have to pay a nominal fee for it, but it is their own private spectrum for their location. So that's in the US, but we've also seen in other parts of the world spectrum like N78, N77, N79. So different bands in the 3.3 to 4.9 gigahertz open up in different parts of the world dedicated for private use. So the regulators have seen the need for enterprises to build their own private network. They saw that there was no real option for them. So they have opened up private spectrum to be used by enterprises around the world. And that's what is typically called shared spectrum or lightly licensed or unlicensed spectrum, which is really making private 4G and private 5G happen today. Without that, this market would not have taken off. What do you call an endpoint security product that works perfectly but makes users miserable? A failure. The old approach to endpoint security is to lock down employing devices and roll out changes through force restarts, but it just doesn't work. IT is miserable because they have a mountain of support tickets. Employees start using personal devices just to get their work done, and executives opt out the first time it makes them late for a meeting. You can't have a successful security implementation unless you work with end users. That's where Collide comes in. Their user-first device trust solution notifies users as soon as it detects an issue on their device and teaches them how to solve it without needing help from IT. That way, untrusted devices are blocked from authenticating, but users don't stay blocked. Collide is designed for companies with Okta, and it works on macOS, Windows, Linux, and mobile devices. So if you have Okta and you're looking for a device trust solution that respects your team, visit collide.com slash Apple at work to watch a demo and see how it works. That's C-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple A-T work. Thanks to Collide for sponsoring Apple at work this week. That's something that really interesting here, how you using this spectrum kind of spurs on a next generation of use cases and, and, and business applications. I'm really reminded of like hearing of spectrum auctions from the government, you know, years ago that you would, you know, which again, you're doing today. Um, something, something I'm kind of thinking about here is a, a good example is like, I'm thinking of like healthcare. I'm thinking of voice over IP, uh, IP phones for doctors, Again, Wi-Fi is really, really good here. But now I'm kind of realizing, even though that that the the mobile revolution of, of smartphones and tablets kind of spurred on a lot of the Wi-Fi deployments in, in the in the enterprise, Wi-Fi was really was in some ways really not designed with mobility in mind. Because you think about like the roaming protocols and all those things have like get get better year after year, but they're not perfect, and they still it's still like a handoff. And if I'm like using a mission critical application where like this thing actually if this drops connections like we we lose a million dollars why was cellular uh, better designed for mobility over wi-fi yep and i i always i'm a little careful about bashing wi-fi too much but the reality is uh, that is how the protocol has been designed brandy and i'll go into a little bit of detail but i do want to say that <clears throat> what we are seeing in enterprises the reality is you're not necessarily replacing Wi-Fi in these environments that you're describing. Wi-Fi is still very much there. Uh, Wi-Fi is being used for whatever applications it's good good for. But as customers start to deploy private wireless, private 4G and 5G within their environments, they are looking to offload critical applications off of Wi-Fi onto uh, the private cellular. And then the other cases are where they have we have a customer who's deployed, continues to deploy Wi-Fi indoors, 
But then for outdoor parking lots and these large areas, they're actually using uh, private cellular. So it's it's kind of these technologies are now starting to complement each other and work well together. The question that we are getting is not that hey, I want to replace my Wi-Fi, it's that I want to add private cellular because I'm go- going through a digital transformation and I want to make sure that these two technologies work well together. The same device needs to now work on both of those technologies and how are you solving that seamless mobility uh, question. But going back to your point around <clears throat> applications such as autonomous guided vehicles, robots moving around, uh, clinician communication devices, which doctors and nurses are using in the hospitals and they're doing it on the move. Uh, why does that not work very well on, on Wi-Fi? And what has cellular done from day one that is making it a better fit for those kind of uh, mobility focused applications and use cases. And I think it is, I think if you go back to the origins of of cellular, I think it goes back to why cellular was built in the first place, right? And what was in mind as people were defining the standards for it. Uh, If you think about it, it has been built and it has been perfected for use by end users like you and me, right? And that has been done for the last 25, 30 years. And the expectation is that you and I will probably be uh, at different times uh, be moving around and we expect to be connected, whether it's uh, for a voice service or now more in the last 15 years, even for the data service. So I, I take I, I live in California. I sometimes take, uh, take the train from San Francisco to South Bay and those trains are moving at a fairly high speed. And I expect that when I'm on the phone, uh, trying to figure out what I do for the one hour of commute. I expect that on the phone, I should be able to watch Netflix. I should be able to join a Zoom call if necessary. So all of those things should continue to work on the data network. So the point is that the cellular networks have been built and designed from day zero, day one, to support these kind of use cases. And the second most important piece, which is gets a little technical, one level lower, is that in cellular, a lot of these decisions about when does a device move from one base station to the other? When does a device actually hand over from one radio to the other? All of those decisions are actually being made by the network versus in the Wi-Fi world, these decisions about when do I access the network? When do I hand over from one access point to the other? Those decisions are left to the end device. So if you think about it, in the Wi-Fi world, the end device could again the implementations could be different from one device to the other, so that provide um, results in a lot of different variances in terms of what the uh, what you can expect from the device. And then if you think about it, as the device moves from one location to the other, it might the implementation might be such that the device is too sticky. They say the device is too sticky, which means that the client or the device is sticking to an access point which is far away and has very low signal strength from it, even though there is another access point right above it, which might have a better signal strength. And that is purely to do with how the device manufacturer might have actually uh, uh, implemented some of those behaviors because it's all driven by the client. Now move move that to cellular and you have these AGVs, autonomous guided vehicles moving at 25 miles, 30 miles per hour indoors inside a warehouse. It is the network that is telling the device, hey, this is the signal strength that you are that we are seeing for you. That there are other neighbors around me that you can move to. And these thresholds as to when you start looking for neighbors, the threshold of when you actually hand over from one, one access point to the other, all of that is very, very tightly controlled by the actual private network. And that's what allows you to support these really high-speed 
mobility use cases which are being thrown at and almost has become a poster child for private wireless within the enterprise. <clears throat> when, when you're running through these examples and, and thinking through this concept, the thing that was coming to my head is private wireless is like having an Ethernet connection for your mobile devices. So when we talk about like why was cellular designed for mobility in mind, it, it, again, it's, you know, go back to like, how do you think about, you know, if I have, I'm at, my rule's always been if something's stationary to plug it in, printers, um, uh, connected TV devices, if I can get something in an Ethernet cable, I'm going to plug it in and it's very stable. Again, Wi-Fi is great, but Wi-Fi works, you know, Let's just a good example. Nine, you know, ninety nine point nine 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 percent Ethernet is a hundred percent, and I really feel like that what we're describing here is the Ethernet of mobility, where it, it just and again, I, I just think about the concept of like walking you know, again this carpeted enterprise. When I when if I, if I'm in a, a carpeted enterprise and I think about if I'm staring at my device and I'm walking, I will eventually have to roam. And sometimes it roams great. Sometimes it roams terrible. Um, every, every, every device is different. Every network is done, designed differently. And, and again, where you would typically, if you have a good cellular connection, you're not going to drop it. It's just going to work. Um, um, so that it's really kind of a wild concept to think about. Um, now, Again, so we we kind of set the stage here of like why this matters, why it's important, the use cases. And I agree with you. This isn't a a Wi-Fi, um, you know, versus uh, private cellular. I think it, it's both. Like there there are there are plenty of applications where uh, you may have an organization that has different types of devices that are, are designed for both. And I think they I think they work in cooperation with each other. And they're not. Uh, this isn't like you'll hey you'll never buy another access point Wi-Fi. Uh, solves its problem, uh, you'll still buy your access point, and wi- the Wi-Fi technology is still evolving. And I think they're going to evolve together. Now, now from you know, this is this is Apple at work. So we 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 need to we need to talk. You know, obviously, the iPhone is one of the most popular um, m- mobile devices in the world, and we saw some new features for private cellular with iOS 17, uh, which has been out a couple months now. Uh, what has Apple done here in iOS 17 for for this industry? Absolutely, Bradley. And this is, I think, one huge step for the overall uh, private wireless industry. So again, Apple, obviously, we uh, as end consumers know Apple to be at the cutting edge when it comes to providing the best end user experience uh, on my on my phone uh, and my tablets, right? And I, I am a, I'm a big uh, Apple supporter for a while. Now, one thing that has been surprising to me, pleasantly surprising to me, has been in the last three years, when you look at industrial environments, you might not immediately think about Apple. But when you look at manufacturing, you look at oil and gas and refineries, especially Apple tablets and the rail yards and Apple phones uh, are being used quite quite a lot in these environments. So that has been kind of a learning for me over the last uh, three years as we have been talking to customers. So Apple in the enterprise, uh, even for these industrial environments, it is uh, uh, very, very relevant. And what they have done with the latest iOS 17 is game-changing. So just to kind of go back again, three to four years. So Apple was one of the first device vendors that actually added support for private 4G uh, over CBRS, the Citizen Broadband Radio Service Spectrum that I talked about earlier, which is, uh, uh, which is the private spectrum that's available in the US. So Apple was one of the first device vendors that actually added support for private 4G and that was over three years ago, right? Now, 
with this iOS 17, they have now added support for private 5G standalone. So that means that customers or enterprises now can use uh, Apple devices, tablets, phones on a private 5G network if they have if they have one deployed. And now it's not just restricted to US and the CBRS spectrum. It is actually available for all the global bands that have been opened up for private enterprise use. So just to repeat, it is CBRS in the US, N78 and N77 in Europe, UK, parts of Asia, N79, which has been opened up in South Korea and Japan. So with these bands and support for these bands and support for private 5G, Apple has made sure that as enterprises are looking for devices to use in these private 5G deployments that they're doing, they have the best-in-class device ecosystem available to them to take advantage of that network. So that's one big piece. And in addition to that, as as you would expect from Apple, they've just not provided, hey, you can connect to a private 5G network. They've actually gone multiple steps beyond that and said, as you connect to these private networks, private wireless networks, we will give you unique capabilities that will make sure that the end user and the end device experience is as optimal as it can be. And to just quickly iterate through that, they have features such as geofencing, which means that as an enterprise, you can create, a, you can define a visual geofence around your factory, around your manufacturing floor, around your warehouse, and tell the device that within this geofence, I want private 4G or private 5G to be prioritized over public as well as Wi-Fi. So if you think of a device that has a Verizon SIM or an AT&T SIM, it has a Salona private eSIM and then Wi-Fi turned on, if you are within that geofence as defined by the enterprise, within that geofence, you can prioritize your critical applications now to go over the private 4G or 5G network, which is what the enterprises would like. And then when you're outside of that geofence, you can completely forget about the private wireless network and hence preserve your battery life. Right? These are small operational things, which we know that Apple pays a lot of attention to. And it's a huge step from an end user experience perspective. Now, Apple has always been, uh, has supported eSIM for a while from their Apple 11 devices. Uh, and they have gone a step further where and worked with us to provide uh, zero touch onboarding for these eSIMs as well. And all the configurations that I'm talking about in terms of geofencing, prioritizing private uh, wireless over Wi-Fi and public networks, all of those features are not just available in the UI, but they're also available using backend configurations, which remote configurations that allows enterprises to actually manage all of this for their entire fleet of devices using their existing MDM system. So that's kind of a summary of what Apple has done. And I think it's a big step for the private 5G market. And usually Apple takes the first and everybody else follows. And we are seeing that happen with other device vendors as well. And it is really signaling that enterprises are making these device ecosystem players like Apple uh, pay attention to private wireless networks because they believe that their next generation infrastructure uh, would be uh, private 5G or private 4G. Everything that you said here really checks a lot of the boxes for an IT uh, professional here. I mean, it's it's built into the device it's now really uh, you know, heavily baked into the latest version of iOS. But then on top of that, you, you get the integration with your device management infrastructure. And I, and I think that's the key here. Um, and we've uh, published a blog recently about that, uh, about this particular topic on, on 9to5Mac, and I'll link to that in the show notes. 
when you can automate this and, and because I, I remember deploying Macs when, you know, and, and iPads and, and iPhones when like it was a very manual process and like you did it because there was no better way. But when Apple built out a lot of the zero touch components over the last 13 years or so, your ability to deploy Macs went from uh, somewhat of a manual process. Like you could, you know, what's the word, like kind of, you know, bootstrap your way through it like you could get it but it was painful and you didn't love it well then then it just became like just it was just there like it just happened it was automated and like it you could deploy a thousand as easy to deploy ten thousand as long as you could pay for them and and it was the scalability here so again when you're thinking of you know let's again go i think it's a good example is the 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 oil and gas industry well like well i mean these are not like these are not you know just hey this is just in one state like these are around the country these are around the world so when you can deploy devices to, you know, people in the field here that, you know, and again, this, this is really where Apple, I'm trying to think of a way to explain this. Like, this is when like the, the iPhone and the iPad become not like Apple specific devices. Like these are like industry, like these are like, you know, you can imagine the, the, an, a, an iPad and a really heavy duty case here, an iPhone and a really heavy duty case here in a really rugged environment. The person honestly might never even know or care that they're using an iPhone. They're almost using it as like uh, what you would consider a Palm Pilot years ago. Like this is just the thing I use. Like you don't, you know, it's sort of like how, you know, in, in retail, often they're using iPhones attached to these, you know, scanners that have NFC in them for Apple Pay and all this stuff. Like they don't, I mean, it's, it's an iPhone at its core, but like it's kind of been bolted on through so much. Like it's just, like it's a it's general purpose computer it's no longer just apple's device and that's what you're doing here like these things can be deployed with very specific use cases locked to one single application customized from out of the box going to work with this private cellular and you can now do that to an entire fleet of thousands and thousands and tens of thousands of devices because apple has kind of layered on this ability to where like the it manager or you know, CTO, they don't have to manually configure these things or ship them out. Well, like, here's your instructions on how to connect. Like, it just kind of works and it's it's all really automated. And that's when the technology becomes just there, sort of like how the a heating and air system is there. It just works. It just operates. And then the technology is just, it just flows. And the person then no longer is using the technology for technology's sake. It's like, well, I have a mission to accomplish, a job to do, and this technology piece is just something I do. So it sounds like we, it, good example is the, the old um, farewell to arms with Ernest Hemingway. You know, how do you go broke gradually then suddenly? Like, how does, you know, private cellular somewhat become a, as a peer to Wi-Fi in the industry? Like, we're hitting the suddenly stage of this. Like, it was gradually, and then it's suddenly. And again, it's not taking away from Wi-Fi. It's solving problems where Wi-Fi was kind of forced to use. And I think the outdoor environment is like a very apt comparison. Like Wi-Fi outdoors, I'll be honest with you, it kind of stinks. It's hard and it's it's complicated. And, you know, it just is what it is. Um, but, uh, you know, but that was really all we had because, you know, certain applications, the cellular wasn't as reliable. Um, now you you kind of, you know, private cellular, when you need it, the, the it takes the best of both use cases, both types of technology, the best of Wi-Fi and the best of, of public cellular and marries them together. And it kind of, it's really cool. And I, I do think this is like, 
you're going to continue to see new use cases. Um, as we wrap up here, it's been a great show. This has been awesome. What other, you know, are there any other specific use cases we've not covered that maybe your customers are pulling, customers you're talking to, problems they're solving? Um, is there any other yeah. ones you want to mention? Absolutely, Bradley. And I think I'll just mention one other point that absolutely, like device ecosystem, uh, making it easier for some of these things to be automated is a one step. But as you had in the Wi-Fi industry, the Wi-Fi infrastructure at that time and now the private wireless infrastructure needs to keep pace with it. And one of the things why we like working with Apple and Apple likes working with us has been the case that from an infrastructure perspective, we've been able to keep pace with what they are introducing. And what I described previously about having a zero-touch ability for one to, as you said, deploy eSIM. Let's take a simple case of deploying eSIMs to your fleet of devices. So we have a customer, a really app customer, who has Apple devices that they use uh, within the network and then the associates use the same Apple device outside as well. So they want to push Salona private eSIMs to all their devices. So obviously the device supports it, but now you have the network that needs to work nicely with the device, needs to work nicely with the MDM system that the customer has in place and allow the IT admin to click a button push the necessary configuration to all the devices and then the device can be onboarded onto the network uh, with zero touch from the end user's perspective. So it requires uh, both sides to play really well. And I just want to make a plug here that uh, Salona uh, is one is the only private wireless vendor that it will be surprising to you that actually has support for eSIM and then taking it the next step further, actually having support for eSIM via the enterprise MDM that allows for the zero-touch onboarding. So just wanted to kind of complete both sides of the story. But going back to the set of use cases, I think during the uh, uh, discussion here, Bradley, I've, I've sprinkled the use cases. But if I were to just summarize, I would say the real pull for private wireless today and over the next 12 to 15 months, we expect it to be predominantly in the non-carpeted industrial verticals, right? We talked about oil and gas chemical refinery, transportation, especially because these are these large outdoor areas that you have not been connected before. Then you have these warehouses, DCs, and logistics, again, large indoor areas where Wi-Fi starts to struggle. Then you have manufacturing, uh, where you have these critical applications that you want to run over a wireless infrastructure. You want to have the flexibility to move around your manufacturing floor, uh, but because you haven't had an option, you have had to wire all your PLCs, you've had to wire all your critical equipment so far. But with private wireless, you can actually cut the cable and uh, deliver the same level of reliability, the same level of connectivity to these applications and to these devices, but do that over a wireless medium. So I would say that would summarize the key verticals and the key use cases that are actually pulling uh, uh, private wireless into the enterprises and some of the leading uh, I would say the use cases that is uh, that we are engaging with today. This has been probably my uh, favorite episode of the show and, and quite some time because I think this is, you know, even if you're a well-versed <laughs> and experienced Apple IT, um, Mac admin, iOS admin, this is probably a pretty new industry to, to, to everybody because it's a new industry to the world. And this is something I think everybody that manages Mac should, you know, even if you are working in a carpeted industry, like you should, as you said, I think it's a great way to distinguish like who is the ideal use case. I think it's something to be aware of because there, there are going to be new use cases all the time. And I think it's, uh, 
this is clearly a focus of, of Apple's because, you know, they're building in things to iOS and in the device management ecosystem to help customers deploy this. So I think it's clear that this is coming and it's here. And uh, this is great. We're going to have a link in the show notes to, again, some more information. So if you want to learn more um, about this industry, about the, the use cases, we're going to have plenty of links in the show notes. Again, thanks for coming on the show. Um, as you all continue um, you know, doing great work here, we'll have you back on and, and talk about some more use cases. Because, again, as I said, gradually, then suddenly, I think we're in the suddenly stage of uh, private <laughs> cellular, uh, particularly, you know, certainly in the U.S., but then uh, around the world as well. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you next time.